I'd like to take his face. She oh. call himself ass kick instead. <laughs> Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat until you pissed blood? Now, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! Wow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to We Bought a Mic. Or should I say we bought a knife? We bought a Nick. <laughs> we bought a Nick. The pun, yeah, this is why I didn't vote it's a, for this it's one. It's a visual pun. I didn't more vote than this one a... in the poll that we had because it only works when you look at it. We bought a Nick. <laughs> No, it's but right it's there. NIC like MIC. Yeah, it's, it's a it looks pun. good. I think we should have just called this series we're doing National Treasure Two: Book of Secrets. <laughs> a pop, a pop culture cast, aka a cage off, if you will, aka adapt Cajun. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Aka pod slash cast. <laughs> I like cage slash off. Cage, yeah, because it's like cage off. Mm-hmm. It's like get, a battle. It's a battle the of the cages. Yeah. Welcome to We Bought a Mike's first ever career arc series. Mm-hmm. This is the first one. We're talking Moonstruck. I am Ernest. I am. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. My name's Hunter. <laughs> I'm Drew. <laughs> And joining us from the one and only Zillennial Canon, you may know her, Kira. Please introduce yourself. First time Wabam debut. Hello, I'm Kira Coffer, and I think this is the first movie I've ever covered on a podcast that is not Zillennial. That's true. That's yeah. right. 80. This is very, very uh, Gen X. Yeah. This is, this is Gen X as hell, right? Is there a gen between Gen X and Boomers? Mm. Uh, no, mm, maybe. Oh, okay, because it's like it's like a little before Gen X. You know, Gen X is all about like, oh, uh, American Beauty. I'm sad. Um, I feel like that's more millennials, like older millennials. Yeah, because yeah. millennial goes back to '88 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gen X was like the adults who were already they already had like depression vibes. They were ahead of their time, basically. <laughs> let's, um, let's explain to the listeners what's happening here. This is sort of I'd I'd call it a lifetime achievement award for whoever that we choose to do this about. We're going to be covering Nick Cage for a long time. <laughs> we have sixteen <laughs> episodes lined up oh with. My God a slew of and they're they're all with kira as the guest (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) are dropping this news on you live on pod when i have a bit i commit to it (laughs) hope you're ready for the family man (laughs) left behind 2014's straight to video hit find it at a walmart near you i hope you're excited for world trade center looking forward to that one specifically (laughs) 16 episodes with new and returning guests tracking the the career arc of the one Nicholas Coppola, mm-hmm. also known as Nicholas Cage, the legend. 
Um, why did why did we choose Nick Cage? It was it was chosen, and then I was informed. <laughs> I gave you guys a couple of options of some other actors. You gave us other options, but like Nick Cage is the perfect. If we're gonna dive into like an actor's filmography and actually track the highs and the very low lows of a person's career, then Nick Cage is the benchmark for that because he's going to do the most extreme version of highs and lows in whatever he's in. Yeah. Like in whatever movie Nick Cage is in that we're going to be talking about, Nick Cage is doing Nick Cage shit. Mm -hmm. It's also, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's going to be fun to try to parse out like how we feel about him. It, we, it, yeah. You know, it's tough to like nail that down. Like we're going doing, into this, like, I don't, I've know. seen him in a ton of movies. I just saw this one for the first time. I still don't know how yeah. I feel about him. It's like Abed and community. Right? It's, yeah. It's literally, it's the community bit of is Nicholas Cage a good actor? Or not? We don't know. We're going to find out. It's uh, it's funny watching people at the beginning of a journey like this because I spent the entire pandemic and we just finished probably like three weeks ago watching every single Mike Myers appearance that exists in media. That's another wow. that's another perfect choice. Yeah, how'd yeah. that go? Uh, it was great. It the one thing is we crammed all the really good classics at the beginning. Um, so the last few weeks were literally like, let's watch this like obscure Canadian sitcom from when he was like seven years old. <laughs> as, as you should. Yeah. 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 It was really cool though. It was, um, you don't realize how much he's in, how many, like we had to watch the love guru. So that was interesting. Did you watch um, um, Bo Rap? No, that was the only one that we didn't watch for <laughs> nice. on purpose. He's in like <laughs> one scene, right? Yeah. 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 He's just it's like, oh, you'll never get your music made, <laughs> queen. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's basically his fucking character in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily for us, Nick Cage, we get to come like not the very end, but come close to the end with like the cherry on top of the Sunday in G-Force. There you go. And that's like pigs. his real pinnacle. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing that I want to mention is when I was scheduling these episodes and, and getting the, the slate together for what we're about to do, um, I saw it as an opportunity not only to have new guests like you, Kira, but mm -hmm. also to give the guests latitude of what movies we would cover mm -hmm. because with cage it's like we can't cover every cage movie this guy has like almost a hundred credits in imdb like it's it's impossible yeah and they're so mostly have, dog shit movies yeah exactly he's literally just trying <laughs> he's trying to like he's trying to pay off some t-rex skeleton that he has inside a castle somewhere he doesn't turn down a role if you can afford his rate he'll he do has it. 106 acting credits That's on imdb right now that insane. are released i mean so more. so when i reached out to you kara you sent me a couple of options but this was mm -hmm. the one that you chose so yeah. tell us why so i chose this one because anybody that knows me or listens to my podcast knows that i'm not italian but i wish i was italian <laughs> and i find italian people and italian families very comforting um i'm also from new york so i get to hear italian new yorkers all the time and um i just find them very like like i said like comforting and like creatively inspiring because the way that like new yorkers construct sentences is like so insane to me and it's insane that the script can like capture that and also uh it takes place in a neighborhood that i used to live in so it's very comforting to me and i think also that it's kind of on brand that you guys are starting 
with me with one that Nicolas Cage is um, extremely hot in. Um, <laughs> so we're yeah. Well, Man, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to grill you, but <laughs> we're, we'll, we'll talk. Okay. Look, there's one specific scene where I was like, "Yo, Nick Cage, you could pick me up and take me to bed." The way you looking in this scene, that one specific scene, yeah. yeah. The scene yeah. where he picks her up and takes her to bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's that one. That's the one. That's the one. Oh Give me that wooden hand. What that wooden hand do? Yeah. <laughs> any any other thoughts on Nick Cage in general before we dive into the movie? He is obviously a product of nepotism. Here's here's what I'll say. Yeah, he, he's he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah, he shouldn't have gotten the many opportunities that he did. He you know, he's an odd looking guy, a very odd performing guy. By all accounts, he's strange to interact with, which is, you know, not exactly how you make it in a very social industry. Uh, but that allows him, that gives him, like you said, the latitude to make just absolute batshit choices when, you know, anyone else would be really scared to go out of pocket. And he he lives out of pocket. Yeah. He's always doing something. It's funny, though, because this is Cher's movie. This is not really a cage movie like he gets some moments to shine, but it's 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 a share picture through and through like she won an Oscar for the share share owns. She's amazing in this. And when I was when I was sitting down to watch this, you know, cage doesn't come up until like what the 25 minute mark in the movie. And I was I was wondering, like this movie, like doesn't even need Nicolas Cage. It's like vibing without him. And then I was thinking like it, it also thinking like, did we did we make a mistake? Like, is this <laughs> how this series is going to go? That it's it's going to be like every movie is just like separate from the cage of it all. And then he, and then he, he comes, he, comes he, in. And he fits in like this one perfect cog that you didn't know was even missing in this like, movie until you saw it. Oh, yeah, it. I, oh, first, yeah. <laughs> the first shot of just his sweaty back and you guys knew that you were in. his hair is just like sideways yeah. and you're like oh man give me this guy so that tonally what he does to the movie is unbelievable because up to that point it's it's very it's a lovely film it's very lighthearted in a in a way that i thought was like kind of pitch perfect like i i, I love the movie in general like i really i, I would watch it again tonight um so, but like, you know, we have the proposal scene. We have Dan- Danny Aiello, who's, who I love. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. This and, is, this movie is a direct prequel to do the right Yeah. Thing. He proposed to share. <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> he got um, rejected and then just. <laughs> he proposes to share. And the scene is so lighthearted that it sets the stage that like this, like if a proposal is going to be this fun, then that means that the movie is not going to take itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Great, but we're, we don't go full fucking gonzo absurdist mode until Cage shows up. When Cage shows up, it starts feeling like a David Wayne movie. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like in that scene, it's like, wait, what is, huh? He, like he's mad at his brother because his brother made him look the other way. And he cut, brother, his life. And he cut Grab him. the knife. I'm going to cut my throat. <laughs> Incredible. It's such a, it's such a switch up. And, and like, it's like a half hour in. it's even later than 25. It was, it's like 30, 35 minutes in. Mm. So yeah. this movie was a hit. It made 80 million off of a $15 million budget. Uh, it was up for like a bunch of Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost a uh, best picture to the last emperor, I believe. Um, 
but Cher won an Oscar. I know uh, Jewison was nominated, but he lost uh, Bertolucci, I believe, for The Last Emperor. I'm totally going off the dome. I don't well, remember here. I'm just going based off my Oscar watch. Just crazy brag. Yeah, you know, just yeah. going off the dome of my Oscar it won, uh, knowledge. It won three Oscars. So Cher uh, supporting for Olympia Dukakis. Oh yeah, Dukakis. Dukakis. Dukakis uh, he plays Rose, mm-hmm. and she she is Cheers killer. Mother. She she really gets to shine in the back half of the movie a mm-hmm. lot. And, and original screenplay. Can you guys believe it was written by the same dude that wrote Wild Mountain Time? I haven't what? seen that movie, but <laughs> okay. I've heard it is <laughs> insane. I mean, I hadn't seen this movie before either. Um, this was my first time seeing this movie, but I have seen uh, In the Heat of the Night because that won Best Picture, a Jewish in film. And I've seen Fiddler on the Roof because I grew up around musical theater and stuff. So that was kind of. A what? like staple. Yeah, what is what um, is going on with John Patrick Shanley? Like what what's his doubt. deal? Congo, Joe versus I, the volcano. Wild, yeah. wild filmography. Um yeah. I uh I fucking like adored this movie. Like I like loved it instantly. I think the comedy has aged fucking beautifully. It's like this really sweet love letter to New York in a way that I wasn't expecting that just made me miss New York so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And also like, I really like the way that it kind of tackles the relationship between men and women. That's something that has still aged pretty well. Like that central question that Rose keeps asking throughout the film, like why do men chase after women yeah. And it trying to find me, the answer to that. It gave me Harry Met Sally vibes. A little yeah, bit. definitely. Yeah, it has um, that. It, it is, has like predates Harry Met it's Sally. By two years. So this is 87. Yeah, it feels like Albert Brooks. It feels like James L. Brooks a little. Like it has all of that DNA in it, even though it's a precursor yeah. to most of it. I uh, also like the. Sorry. Oh, just no, like, no, no. I was. Oh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say just like the general vibes of like Harry Met Sally, where it's like, is this a Christmas movie? Is this a New Year's movie? Is it a Valentine's Day movie? Like it just has that like holiday vibe that like doesn't mm-hmm. really attach itself to a specific holiday. That's in a New good York, point, actually. It that. just it feels like home. It's mm-hmm. a homey movie. Yeah, it's so comfy. I, that house that they are in is now like a million dollar house. Mm-hmm. Drew, I know that you like like the frequent New York Zillow scene to just mm-hmm. like monitor the market, despite the fact that we live 3000 miles away from New York City. <laughs> Didn't um, need that but, little comment. OK, <laughs> um, but I love the set design and the production design behind mm-hmm. this movie. It's just so beautiful. I love that they use like real little Italy shops and everything that you can just like go see if you go to New York, if you go to Brooklyn Heights everything i told my girlfriend um after watching this movie that like this is your favorite movie that you haven't seen before because she is half italian and she is obsessed with the moon uh (laughs) and it's just like like feeding off of energy from the moon and just uh all that kind of stuff and that's i was like this this is the movie that you didn't know that you needed in your life Um, i didn't know that i needed in my life and i saw it and i'm happier for it I hadn't seen much of Cher acting before, and I was really. I mean, this is like her role. Like, it's, I don't know. I it's don't think so she killer. She's not much. even Italian. Can you believe? No, that she's very much not Italian. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, this movie. We we can say it, this movie has Jew energy. <laughs> <It> has, <laughs> see, 
we could say it, but we wouldn't say it like that earnest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jewish. It's just energy. like, it's like the fact that it's like, I think it's just so New York. Like there's like big families. Like there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot yeah. of parallels between traditional Italian immigrant culture and uh, Jewish immigrant mm-hmm. culture. Well, and, and also the docs type stuff. But also it is, it's just like written by a Jewish person and directed by a Jewish person. I mean, his and they name clearly is Jew, Jewish. And, and oh my God. Here is the thing. Danny Aiello is in the movie to tell you this is an Italian film. Yeah. You put Danny Aiello in your movie to tell you like, there's going to be some Italian. Yeah, I know. It just, I mean, I knew it was Italian from when it, just it starts like, with when the moon hits your yeah. eyes. It's a big like pizza a big pie. pizza pie. It just, That's it's, a more. It just kind of made me laugh that it was like masquerading as this like extremely, you know, like traditional, like Christian-y type thing. Like every time I see Cher with the cross necklace on, I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Either way, it's it's a very, it's, it's a similar culture. It's the specificities of the Italian uh, culture are fascinating. Italian grandpa. Well, love him. Mm-hmm. here I want to know what you what you because you live in New York, right? Yeah. So I want to know what you think of like how this represents like that very specific culture of these very specific people. You know the the old man walking the dogs, like mm-hmm. the the couple that owns the deli. You know, like I feel like it just captures that so well, doesn't it? Yeah. So. It's funny that you guys were talking about the house because that was actually, I didn't realize it until I rewatched it and I like saw the street signs. I used to live like a block away from that house and I like wow. didn't, like I probably walked past it every day. And then um, the scene where she is walking on like the, like after, after they go to the opera the morning after when she's just like walking in like her heels and stuff like that. That's like my favorite park like in the world. And I was like, oh my wow. God. Um but in terms of the people, like, definitely, like, like, in New like, this is going to sound so, like, stereotypical, but, like, there's always just, like, like, characters in New York. And especially when you see, like, the same people every day on the same route, it's just, like, really funny. Um, and definitely, like, out on Long Island, which is just, like, a lot of people that, like, either lived in the city, grew up in the city, and then just, like, moved out here. Like, I live... Um, I live like halfway between the city and like the Hamptons. So um, a lot of like I work in retail and like I will just like overhear like old Italian women just like talking all the time. And like they say like the funniest things. And I specifically wrote down a line of what they said. Um, Linda, life is not a competition on how many responsibilities you have and how stressed out you are. And like they're always named oh, like come on. <laughs> they're always named like Loretta, Irene, like Linda, like mm-hmm. and I just think that that is like that's I don't know, so, like it, that's so like that's such a written line. I know. I, I like it. It, and I think the screenplay like does an amazing job of like capturing like that kind of like weird like it's very like morbid I feel like and very like mean but in like such a loving way um sort of like it, it was sort of it sort of is like an ahead of its time like existentialism thing mm-hmm. where like you know that's been happening with like those people forever there's yeah. this question of like what am i doing why am i here what's going on yeah um well right, especially what- especially when it relates to like family mm-hmm. right because every every family dynamic is strained to some extent in this story the brothers 
the the couple that's been married for multiple decades. Yeah, the, Nick, the, uh, Nick the Cage. Engaged. Nick Cage versus his teeth. Um, <laughs> his severed hand. <laughs> But that's what I was getting at before about how like the humor in this movie has aged so well, because this is an ahead of its time sense of humor like that. There wasn't really a lot of films, I guess. I mean, this is kind of the height of Woody Allen, who is also a big New York filmmaker who kind of has a little bit more of this dry, uh, more dark sense of humor. But like there's a moment in this film where Danny Aiello like, you know, he goes to Italy because his mother's on his deathbed. He's just like, my mother is on her deathbed. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. How was the flight? <laughs> it's like, just moves right fucking past it. It's so fucking good. This, this movie is like easy breezy to watch, man. It's just such, it's so lovely. It's quick too. It's like an hour and a half until credits. It's just an absolute pleasure. Like, I, I'm so glad that we started our cage shit with this because we're going to watch some stinky stuff. <laughs> it, it's not all going to be like this. Yeah, I there's going to be some some ups and downs for sure. But I, I feel like the lineup is is the essentials, you know, <laughs> maybe not through and through. But for you the got most your part. G-Force, you got your national treasure, too. That's all that we need. Um, <laughs> the, I, I don't think I've, I've said exactly how I feel about this movie. I, I, I loved it, too. I think that it kind of struggles a little bit in the midpoint. Absolutely. A little bit. No, that's the one of, thing I wrote down. It sags a little bit in the middle, um, just as like we're getting into the, you know, the heavy plot of like adultery and whatnot and, and creating conflicts for these characters. And um, there are some moments where I did feel a, like it was a little bit disingenuous. Like we were kind of, creating some moments of, of distress and, and conflict that like weren't a hundred percent earned, but I wasn't like taken out of the movie. I wasn't like shocked by, by, by like, Oh, this movie's like becoming something. It isn't, it wasn't like that. It was just like, it just felt like it was maybe a little bit rushed. Well, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So here's a theory and I, I don't want to, uh, push so much, put so much weight on the cage of it all. But I feel like there's no way that this script uh, didn't have a deleted scene or two involving Cher and Nick Cage because it really feels so wildly underdeveloped. And I know it's it's a, like a silly comedy, so it's like yeah. funny that they're in love after like one second. But I feel like any I feel like any intimate scene with him, there's a good chance that he would fumble the bag and they would not be able to use it. I mean, it. this this was early days. Like he yeah. wasn't really a super experienced guy. He was still figuring out his his craft, you know. I, I love Nick Cage in this movie. Like I, I really like what his character is. Go Just ahead, Kira. I think also it's like a way that I kind of look at it is um how Nick Cage doesn't come in until like a little bit into the movie. Um, and you guys were saying how it's like Cher's movie. I like to think of it as like, even though it's like, it's like definitely more of like a family comedy than like a romantic comedy. But I think like the romantic comedy aspect of it is a lot more like almost like female gazy where she's almost like using him as plot development. Like it's not like you can see like, I don't know, like when she like gets her hair done and stuff like that. And like, she's That's just like so moment. happy and things she like looks, that. Yeah. She looks great. I love her so much, but yeah, sure. um Sure she's like she's yeah. 41 in this and nick cage is like 24 or 25 <laughs> she would flip those ages and like, is and is she grooming him <laughs> what what were I, you saying before hunter oh no i was just saying that 
so whenever you guys were talking about how like in the midpoint, because it does get a little bit more plotty and stuff like that, that didn't bother me at all. I was along for the ride because like they establish this almost like flippant nature very early on in the film. So at that point, I was just kind of like on for the ride. Like, yeah, sure. I just want to like be around these people like this is just I felt like I was just like an observer in this neighborhood and I was just kind of along for the ride I felt like I was a member at the diner who just like observes everything that's happening around them I that's watch yeah. uh, a glass of water just get thrown in this man's face like <laughs> once every oh week once yes. a week or so and I that's love shout to the guy from Frasier. Um, yeah, just, rest in peace, John Mahoney. John well, Mahoney. You're, John Mahoney. you're a big, you're a big Frasier. I love Frasier so much. Yeah, yeah. I great. need to get into it. Frasier's a great show. Legitimately, like the best TV show ever made. <laughs> I just watched uh, Treasure Planet, and there's a character in that show that's voiced by the brother, or sorry, in that <laughs> movie, voiced by Niles. Uh, yes. I'm not, I've been watching. <laughs> this yes, is good stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it or I, I, I haven't watched Frasier. I have watched Frasier Planets. What I meant. To say. I, I wrote that down too, though. The just the fact that, like, in the middle of the movie, it sort of like loses a little steam. I mean, we David Hyde Pierce. Yes, thank you. Wet hot. Um, but we the it's weird structurally because this is a ninety minute movie, and the first act of it is really like forty minutes of movie mm-hmm. um and then it, it becomes like okay we'll meet me at the opera tonight blah 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 and uh past that point we we start spending a lot more time with other characters that we didn't know we were going to be hanging out with as much we we get to know the affair of uh the dad who i, I think is like uh, a, such a brilliantly cartoonish Vincent Gardenia. it's such a cartoony performance yeah cosmo i um i wrote down my notes because i was taking some notes while watching this movie and at first I wrote down Cosmo is the fucking best just because of his line of like, you got bad luck. Your mother and I've been married for 52 years. Nobody died. You were married for two years. Somebody died. Bad luck. I was just like, this guy's the king. That. I love him. And then as the movie went, I was like, oh, Cosmo, why are you ruining my impression of you? It is a I mean, I just. I like that we spent that becomes a little bit more of an ensemble piece because we do get like some incredible performances like uh, from Olympia Dukakis as Rose. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And her scene Academy that she Award has winner. with uh, John, John Mahoney is so good. I love that scene. It's just so sweet. John Mahoney is just like just this horny fucking dude trying to fuck a dude, trying to fuck a woman who's like, 30 years older than him. She looks good. Though. No, she looks great. But yeah, that's the thing is he's also like pretty old. He just keeps getting with uh students of his, which is back then, I'm sure, very normal. <laughs> now, not so much. A few, you know, there's there are a few things that like nowadays don't fly as quite as much, just sort of like the the predatory nature of a lot of the dudes in this. Um but we don't need to parse any of that out really. Yeah. I thought John Mahoney was really, really great. Like looking at him, you're like, man, this guy, this guy is famous. <laughs> he's a, he has like a famous face, but he's um, also just like, so like gentle, like you could imagine him being like your grandpa. <laughs> and yeah, like, he, he had such a weirdly like expressive face in it, yeah. which usually with like old man actors, it's all gruffness, but he was like, so like warm to her. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his character was very interesting. And I, I love Olympia, like sort of being opposite him. Like, you know, when he, uh, he tries to get inside her place and she's like, no, I know who I am. It's all yeah. good, bro. Um, yeah. The parent characters are both just absolutely killer. Their dynamic with Cher is really fun. I'm pretty sure that Olympia Dukakis was like 15 years older than Cher. <laughs> when they made it. It, it's almost like um, Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. How uh, Cher plays Meryl's mom. Mm. Yeah. Like, and wait. they're not even that far apart in age. Yeah. Mamma Mia 2. What even is the age? The great American film of the new century. Uh, coming mm-hmm. soon, not to plug my pod in the middle of the pod, but uh, next week, prepare for Mom Mia. Oh fuck! On Zillennial? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do a call in for next week about my experience seeing Mia on uh, yeah. Broadway. Are you um, Are you gonna cover the the sequel? Probably not because no, it's not, not Zillennial. We'll talk about like it. I'm sure. Years ago. It's the sequel is so much better that's than the first cr- one. I don't believe that's you. It, madness. It's, it's an actual movie. Well, that's that true. tells an actual story. Yeah. Stop being a baby. And yeah. it's got Colin Firth and Peter and, and Stellan Skarsgård doing Titanic pose <laughs> to dancing to Dancing Queen. So, anyways, I'm- with Moonstruck. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not a perfect movie, but um, I have to disagree with you on. So on Ronnie Camareri. <laughs> so what what we're saying is he's hot. Okay. Is this the old man? No, this is Ronnie Camareri. No, is Nick, Cage. Nick Cage. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha, old man. So Nick. <laughs> he's kind of he's kind of sexy. I movie. didn't know his name in the movie. He's just Nick Cage. So his chaos is definitely like terrifying, but then he'll like turn for a second and it's like, whoa, I didn't know Nick Cage had blue eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone agree? (laughs) Like his teeth are, his mouth looks smelly. Look, I was a little bit moved by Nick Cage. (laughs) I can't lie. Like he's, he's a little bit, he's got like that kind of bad boy energy that you're looking for. Yeah. He's like bad boy, but then like you see the gentle side of him. You're like, yeah. Oh. Then he's like, oh, do you want to go to the opera? And it's like, yeah, literally Lincoln Center is my favorite place in the world. And so is that <laughs> fountain. Of course, I want to go to the yes. opera with you. If I could just have my two favorite things in one night, Nick Cage <laughs> and the Lincoln Center. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I just I didn't get any. I uh, want to talk more about his intro, like how we are introduced it's, to him. It's, it's batshit insane. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Like we just kind of she calls him at first and he's just a we don't fucking see his face right away. Yeah, it's only the back of his head. With his back, when tattoo. he's on the phone, yeah. What yeah. is that tattoo? I don't it know. Looked, like a it dragon looked like a or something. Rat? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It was. It wasn't. It was supposed to be a dragon, but. Whoever tatted him up. You know who tatted me was about Pete Davidson in, in that movie. In King of he, Staten Island. Uh, ben Affleck saw that movie once and he was like, yep, that's what I want. But across my whole I, mean, back. I feel like Ben's tattoo is better than whatever Roy has got going on here. Cause I can tell that was supposed to be a dragon, but it looked it looked like some sort of rodent. Mm-hmm. 
He's, cra- he's just, crazy. He's crazy. It might be dude, my favorite scene his, in the whole movie. This, his introduction <laughs> scene is insane. I said the whole thing about bring me the big knife. I'm yes. going to cut my throat. Yeah. That is insane. And he's just like, I lost my hand. I lost my wife. <laughs> yeah. For, it's like, it feels like. <laughs> it's a different movie. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I didn't know. I kind I of want this energy. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It feels like, like the princess bride or something. Like it's like approaching parody. <laughs> with how insane it is and it's kind of out of nowhere well no because i i don't think that it's completely out of nowhere because think back a little bit to danny aiello's proposal scene and no, how like absurdist that is no, like where it's, she's it's just not like I don't, I don't have a ring and they're just like we have to get on your knee but and then that he scene crawls doesn't on quite... both knees <laughs> over <to her. laughs> that scene doesn't quite cross the like, line this is but it's still like almost a wink to the audience. I know this is I'm not saying it's a bad thing, Hunter. I'm just saying it's fucking crazy when we meet it. Like it's <laughs> it's it's so much. And like I in this whole movie, I don't really care, but I don't really see any humanity in this man. Like I see him as like a character. No, there are there are moments where I really do feel like there's some true love in there. It's it's a little rushed and like yada yada but i do think his performance is good when when it's just him and Cher, you know like when they're in the apartment there's these moments of like oh they are rushing this relationship but then there's these tinges of like this guy is actually head over heels in love with this lady that he just met yeah he makes it work he definitely is he just is an animal to me like it's not that he's it's not that he's like not anything he's he's just like an animalistic thing like he doesn't but you don't feel attacked so you're saying that if nick cage came up screamed a monologue at you and flipped a table you wouldn't just start fucking making out with him and then what like maybe like maybe like i would i would just let him tell me that is not the most romantic scene in cinema history when they they first when they first sleep together yeah yeah I, it's a it's a good one. I I would actually say though that skipping to the end, the little monologue that he gives about like people and love mm-hmm. and how we're all fucked up and we're all just trying to chase something. I I, I I'm totally paraphrasing. If, yeah, we, if I can pull we, up we the action. To, to love the wrong people and yeah, exactly. Blah, blah. <laughs> it's it's that very, is good shit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. It's funny also because like, you know, they have barely interacted <laughs> at that point in the movie. Uh, but yeah, that's like a, that's like a James L. Brooks style monologue. I It's the it's the top rated uh, quote on IMDb. Yeah, that's like Loretta. I love you. Not like they told you love is. And I didn't know this either, but I love but love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. We aren't here to make things perfect. The snowflakes are perfect. The stars are perfect. <laughs> Not us. Not us. We are here to ruin ourselves and to break our hearts and love the wrong people and die. <laughs> the storybooks are bullshit. <laughs> mm. Now, I want you to come upstairs with me and get in my bed. Mm-hmm. It's so good. This movie is like really fucking quotable. Like uh, whenever uh, earlier on the movie when Rose is just like talking about Danny Aiello, like, do you love him? And she's like, no. Do you like him? And like, oh, yeah, well, that's good. Well, then he won't hurt you if you don't mm-hmm. love him. Um, another a Rose quote that I <laughs> wrote down was because uh, uh, it's uh, Loretta Cher, like standing by Rose and um, 
suddenly like talking to her they give that whole exchange and then suddenly you hear music playing in the background and she's just like now look he's gonna play that vicky car record and when he comes to bed he won't touch me (laughs) (laughs) it's so good yeah i love um i always think about like my first like film teacher like when i got into movies she was like super italian and like i just connect this movie to her and she would always be like snap out of it like whenever like a student would say something like stupid and she would always assume that we like all saw the movie but like none of us had seen it so we're just like okay like yeah she's like you know like moonstruck yeah like you're like a half step away from just like hearing her yell like gabagool yeah yeah (laughs) we're like i am 15 years old (laughs) it's born 10 years after this movie yeah Yeah. exactly but yeah the i mean the the thing that makes all of like the lack of you know interaction between them forgivable is like the storyline is about how like it's animalistic what all these people are feeling like what's about the moon the moon is like the real undersung star of this movie Mm -hmm. yeah like just about like because it comes down, it's like a wolf-like instinct, which that's when kind the, of the dogs are howling. Like, yeah, it's that just that whole moment. thing of just like how the moon affects people. It's just like yeah, yeah you get moonstruck. Like how we are at the end of the day, we are all animals. Was that was that Grandpa the first astrology bay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And are yeah are we learning they, something? They straight up made Nicolas Cage look like like Wolverine in this though. Like <laughs> okay. he's got the tank top, he's got the hair, he's got the chest hair. Like he could be playing Wolverine. I thought I had no idea what this movie was about before mm-hmm. I saw it. I thought that it was gonna be some crazy ass like <laughs> werewolf shit. <laughs> Then you go in, it's just like a sweet Italian love story. Yeah. Yeah. I I had no idea what I was getting into. So I was almost expecting Cher to be a witch and and Cage to be a werewolf. And I was like, okay, that's kind of fair. Give me me whatever you got. Are we sure that that's not what happens? Yeah. It's it's the. I mean, I like the fact that they do present the moon as having some sort of ethereal power like some sort of supernatural pull over these yeah. people like at, at, they they show it just massive and everybody's commenting on it and saying like how just crazy it is to see a full moon this big and it's it's making people act up it's making them horny as fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um yeah i love like in like movies and stuff and uh like, I just love that, like, the moon is part of their, like, family, like, lore. Like, I love, like, family, like, lore and, like, curses and stuff and, like, superstitions. And I feel like that's, like, what a lot of the movie is based on is, like, their superstitions and, like, how it, like, affects her to, like, them being, like, oh, you can't get married. Like, he's, like, all this stuff. So I do like how, like, they all base it back on the moon. I think that's really funny. <laughs> There's um, that great line early on in the movie where, like, uh, um, Danny Aiello is getting on the airplane and was like, I put a curse on that airplane. Yeah. Uh, my sister's on that plane and she slept with a woman that I loved. And then she admitted 20 years later, she didn't even love him. I, I, was like, expect- I don't believe in curses. And she's like, I don't either. <laughs> so good. I always expected the plane to like explode as it was lifting off. Like I said, I had no idea what this movie is about. I was like, is Danny Aiello about to like die in a plane crash? I almost thought he was going to get hit by a bus in the same way that ex-husband well okay so that's that's what i was about to mention like i i'm glad that you brought up the whole superstition thing because um you know 
spoilers for a um, for a 40 year old movie here go watch it it's on the roku channel um she talks about like the 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 trauma that it, it doesn't really like bear down in like a dramatic through line like it's it's just kind of like something that we need to know about Cher's character that her husband like died mm-hmm. and now she's like trying to get remarried and that's like the opening scene essentially is like she's being proposed to by her um new husband and the whole idea of like how her first marriage failed because they didn't do the things that you're supposed to do to set up a successful marriage right the the proposal and the wedding and like all of these things like they it, it, there's even a moment where um, she mentions that her dad like didn't walk her down the aisle mm-hmm. um, and it's like that's be, that's why her marriage ended in death yeah. and, and, the, and the dad's just sort of like yeah checks out <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> then bad. she's trying to like you know go into round two with Danny Aiello and it's like alright you gotta do the thing you gotta get on your knee you gotta have the ring you gotta like mean it so that they avoid the superstition of it, of like, you got to do the thing and then nothing bad will happen. And I love that aspect because it's like, I, I, I just feel like we don't, I've never seen that in a movie before really to like open your movie with that and like talk about these things and incorporate them in, in such a way where you're like really uh, diving deep without being dramatic about mm-hmm. it all and still like keeping it super because these are deep things these are like major moments yeah in it's life. like it's like i said it's the best tone setting scene i've maybe ever seen mm-hmm. to open a movie where like it's it's the stakes are as high as it can get and it's still being silly so you're like okay this is a pretty silly movie exactly it's it makes you think it makes you like ask those questions but yeah. you're still like having a great time watching it yeah also yeah it's a good character establishing scene because share she has this sort of like watchful eyeness to her where like she you can she seems like someone who kind of takes in everything in the room but doesn't say as much mm-hmm. uh i don't know she she to me is just an absolute god in this movie. i was like, pretty impressed <laughs> i'm kind yeah. of sad that she didn't do as much acting because she's so fucking good in this movie what what do you think of share kira I love Cher, honestly. I think that it's really funny to see her, like, being a literal, like, goddess angel, like, on screen like this and is, like, the most compelling person in the whole world. And then, like, you see, like, her Twitter and it's like, oh, she's actually, like, fucking hilarious in real life. Yeah. Like, she's 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 just, like, like, one off the wall. Yeah, she's almost, like almost like iced tea i guess on twitter mm-hmm. where like it, it works whether you're reading it ironically or not mm-hmm. she, like, she one of those funny people that way. just like capitalizes everywhere yes yeah oh, yeah boy she's and like funny, man she'll go on twitter for like a solid like hour i would say like every day or every few days and if you're not there for the whole thing like everything is just <laughs> out of context like she doesn't like thread her <laughs> tweets or anything so she'll just be like she'll just tweet out an hour like okay that's all for now. Good night with like a kiss emoji. Wow. And it's like, you don't see the rest of her tweets. So it's just like out of context. It's like, oh, okay, can I share? Queen, you drop this. <laughs> I, she's, she's so awesome. Yeah. She's just a mm-hmm. cool human being. Can yeah. I talk about the two best, like 
speaking of human beings in this movie, the two people who aren't involved in any kind of affairs or anything like that. I want to talk about Aunt Rita and Uncle Raymond. Mm-hmm. Um, who are just like my fucking relationship goals. Yeah, they're like the corner store owners. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah they've been like together for 25 they, years they and everything else. No, yeah, there's that one thing. It's just like, <laughs> with this light, with that expression on your, on your face, you look about 25 years old. Oh. And then Raymond just comes like sneaking up into bed. <laughs> and everything. Up. <laughs> I, I love them so much. They're like the perfect Italian couple that you want. Them and uh, the couple that's at like the corner store liquor store that uh mm-hmm. share goes into early okay, on so that's in the a film. different that's a different couple yeah yeah that's a different oh couple. okay that's a different couple i was um, mixing them up no, in my head raymond and rita they like are the ones who own like a shop that share okay works at or does mm-hmm. something i'm I not got, sure I exactly um but no those two and they're like talking to us like men are all like wolves that's all that you think about and he's just like you know what i think about how much I love you. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love she's it. like, I love she's like, show. oh, stop it. Stop yeah, it. It's, so <laughs> it's like perfect old couple writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I love um when we were talking about the opening scene and we we're talking about how it like establishes her character so well. I noticed like like she just like wears the pants in every situation like she is in control of everything and exactly. i noticed she owns like, the room yeah like she literally forced him to get down on his knees for her and then I like i love that that's yeah amazing. then your immediately ring, pinky ring yeah immediately in the next scene she's driving him back to the city and he's just there like he looks like a little kid in a suit in the front yeah, seat. yeah he's danny aiello like a, mm-hmm. a huge a giant man <laughs> And that's like one of the reasons why I feel like I believe her and Nicolas Cage's relationship so much because it's like she is in control of everything all the time and he is so chaotic that she could never control him. And yeah, she like, like she takes him to his place and like makes a mistake and stuff. And he's yeah. like, wow, someone's actually like sort yeah. of controlling. But she me. cooks but then, it like, the way she cooks it the way she wants to cook it. She yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, you need it bloody. So, yeah. That's that's a great take. I, I didn't even think about that because the scene when they first uh have sex like mm-hmm. they um he's like so aggressive he like mm-hmm. throws the table and shit before he picks her up he's like throwing a yeah, tantrum it's so, it's so wild <laughs> and she's like but then she into is, like, it power bottom yeah yeah no i didn't even i even noticed that Cher was driving danny aiello home that's like a great little like <laughs> note to have in there like she is controlling this danny aiello is just a fucking dweeb it's like if like Phantom Thread was like Italian. <laughs> Holy shit, that's incredible. That's perfect. This and is Phantom Thread Italian is one of my Phantom favorite Thread. movies. So <laughs> I love that. It's also incredible. I think one thing about New York, and it's probably like an Italian culture thing, but also it just seems like a New York thing to me that it captures really, really well. That the first time I went to New York, I clocked this and I was like, I, I want to live here, man. Because like, like anger and fighting are just like, it's just a part of everyone's day. Mm -hmm. It's not going to inform the rest of their day. Like if they just get into a spat or whatever, like that couple fighting at the corner store, you're not like, oh no, they're about to get a divorce. It's just never going to end. Like Mm -hmm. it just ends, you know, that's sort of how every character in this is like, they all have their conflicts and then all the conflicts just 
kind of go away and well, they that, move on. That just makes me think about the very end of the movie, which is, yeah, that's that's where it gets like the screenwriting Oscar, I think, is yeah. is that like the final sequence. The breakfast table is just, yeah. yeah. It, oh. you, can, <laughs> you can tell that Shanley uh, was a stage play guy in that sequence because it's just, it's like the classic third act play thing mm-hmm. where like just every character comes into the room together. It almost feels like a movie from like the 40s. Yeah. Where like the big climax can't really rely too much on budget or spectacle. It really just has to be all the characters getting together because that's what they can afford to shoot. But also just on a thematic level, right? Like the idea of every couple having their crisis climax in this one scene and when they're all in the room together and the idea of like it ending in the place where it does, where it's like, you're zooming into this uh, family portrait and you're looking at it and you're like, oh yeah, she's married to him, but she <laughs> was actually engaged to him before she married him. And they're yeah. actually brothers. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's like, uh, we have to, we have to remember that like, she, like he was never even that into her, like right. his mom is just dying. So and he like, was quick to call off the engagement. Yeah. So he's not that upset. And then the brothers have their own issues. Yeah. And it's then the parents like cheated on each other, yes. even though she it, only like it's flirted per- with the One of the guy. best lines in the entire movie is from the grandfather who's just there and like he just starts crying. He's like, I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. It's, it's it's amazing. It's just it's like unreal writing because it, it fits in this like little pocket of tone that like Shanley's kind of established where of flippance, but also like mm-hmm. enough stakes that you do care about all these characters. Um, and it makes all of their conflicts come like the way that Cosmo uh, processes that he has to leave his mistress in like in like five seconds. He like hits the table. Yes. And he's like, OK, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's awesome. You expect a big speech to come. And then it's just like, yeah, but no, it's it like, doesn't. no, we have to move on to the 10 different conflicts that are about to be addressed. It's such that's, it's that's such like economical writing. That's like what I wish every every uh, male uh uh, exertion of uh, anger was mm-hmm. just a just a pound on the table, and then you, yeah. you wish that Marriage Story was just Adam Driver <laughs> punching a wall, and then that was it. Yeah, End scene. yeah. just <laughs> that's yeah. it. And then he goes, "Okay, result." The, okay. the movie ends. He punches the wall, and then they all go trick or treating together. Yeah. yeah, you wish you wish that um Joaquin Phoenix just hit De Niro's like late night show desk table, yeah. and I was like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> yeah, it's like. Writing like this, I feel like I can't think of another example right now, but um, like when the writing is this solid throughout the whole movie, it's like it leads up to the fact that like I'm like, oh, the most romantic line in cinema history is Cher just going, I love him awful. Like, mm. and then the mom being like, "Oh, that that sucks," or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. gonna he's gonna break your heart. Yeah, it, and it's it like rules. that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. Is just yeah. Cher saying, "I love I, him." Awful. I still like. I can't believe that you kind of blew my mind a little bit by saying that Cher is forty-one in this movie. I'm looking at a photo of Nick Cage and uh, Cher. I know Kira, you can't see this right now, and it's like they look like they're both in their like late twenties. I can't. They look bad as fuck. I know. I love, couple, I love the I made believe, up look that she gets. Like, I believe the makeover. this couple so much more than I believe Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello, I'm like, yeah, he's like fifty years older than Cher. He, like that's not. 
Nick Cage is so funny looking. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I, I'm looking at a still photograph of him from straight on. He's Dude, so the, those eyes though. They're he looks just like piercing. He looks they like he's in right the game. You. Guess who? <laughs> like yeah. every every yeah. feature is exaggerated. On yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. I get I that. It just I don't know. It's not it's not for me to say, but like I I did a, the same thing I did for my episode of Zillennial Canon where I took very useless informal notes and one thing I wrote was just his teeth are disgusting. I this is before I, he um, got the he got the he got that Hollywood money to fix his teeth. Oh. It's like charming though. Like it's like with Nick Cage, I'm sure I don't know if this will come up again in your next like quarter of a year series. Um but like it's kind of charming how he doesn't look perfect and he just like puts all of his energy and his whole life into everything. And like, it just is so charming. Like you just have to love him. I don't know. I also, I like, like, I really love the whole opera side of him because it shows mm-hmm. that he's a guy, like, of course he is missing a hand that mm-hmm. he blames his brother on. Um, but like and he just puts off this like really tough exterior but deep down like his heart can get melted by some like seeing a tragedy and on opera or something like that that opera scene is so fucking good Mm -hmm. i really really love that scene not only because it ties share with her father's affair that he's having but just like seeing like the single tear come down Cher's face very effective and also that's the first like Cher. uh or maybe it's not. No, no, never mind. Never mind. I'm getting a mix up. It's a little bit later on where she, where Nick Cage reaches out the wooden hand and she grabs the wooden hand. <laughs> That's just like good movie moment. Yeah, I thought it, worked, thought it worked on me. I thought the ha- wooden hand was the other one. Yeah, it's the it's the left hand. It was um, was it the left hand or was it the right hand? I think it was the left hand. Yeah, it was yeah. the left hand. So it was later. It was whenever the second time he takes her to bed. There you go. He has yeah. a glove on yeah. on it. Yeah, so you, you can can't tell. See it, but she knows. You can tell he's a soft boy because he has little lovebirds in his apartment. He's an he's point. an e boy. Yeah, he really is. Literally, I mean, no, he's like a he's like a bread maker, right? That's, yeah. is that what he's doing? What yeah, he works doing? at a, he works at a bakery. He I looks like, like he's like a blacksmith. I yeah. feel bad for the woman who we never see again. Who's she in just love has with him? One line. Yeah, She's just like I'm in love with him, but I don't know how to tell the guy. She's like sobbing. <laughs> that scene is it's one of my favorite it's scenes in like good. I think the two scenes in this movie that just like blew my head off were that and then the the ending sequence. That scene, it's just because we walked like we, you know, as we walked down into like the basement of that bakery or whatever, we are walking into another movie. <laughs> like that's a whole different movie where she's like, Yeah, I'm in love with him. I don't know, but it works. <laughs> no, of course, it works really well. And it, it doesn't make any sense why it just does. It's just good. It's just a good movie. And it's it's the perfect point to introduce the cage because you're wondering like i thought this movie had nicholas cage in it like <laughs> where where the fuck is he like i'm enjoying it without him does it yeah him? and well you're also thinking how is he going to fit into the tone of this yeah. but the brother is set up at the beginning so you know like he's got to be the brother yeah 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 for sure um and it's also it's also just funny to imagine if i were the mother of danny aiello and nicholas cage i'd <laughs> I'd probably be on the brink too. <laughs> be like, grab me the big knife. I'm going to cut my throat. 
How come we didn't get the scene of her like jumping out of bed Willy Wonka style and making breakfast? Mm. I feel like it's even it's even funnier that we don't because he just appears back and is just like, oh, she's alive. I don't know. She just started making started making breakfast. Also, it's like, is she actually dead? Lying? No. What? what? It's the most simple form of comedy. But Danny Aiello forgetting his bags four different times. It's so Mm -hmm. good. It just it just works on me a little bit more every single yeah, time it's just, what, what does he tell the cab driver he's like hold, hold. Yes, um, it just yeah the movie just, has has good little visual runners like that like it's it's really tightly written as a comedy like it has just like tricks that like any you know the the most low-tier sitcom writer would use tricks like that but it uses them very well and then on top of that it has all the when harry met sally type general human condition stuff to say uh, and then on top of that, it has all the specificity of being in New York and about this very, uh, very specific Italian culture. The the result is is sort of like it like it felt like magic watching it. Like mm-hmm. yeah, no wonder it was so celebrated. You know, six I'm, nominations. I'm, I know. God, I miss, why can't we get rom coms like this anymore? This makes me like just crave <laughs> mid budget rom coms. It's like ah, I guess we'll deal with whatever like Netflix is like churning out of what's, the machine here what's the, the la, like like in terms of when it was released what's the last good rom-com you saw um i couldn't even tell you i was, i'm trying to think what was the i, I it's it wasn't great but i still enjoyed it a lot as far as like mid-budget rom-coms the charlie's theron seth rogan movie that came out yes. yeah long shot that was long shot. so like middle of the road though i know but that's the thing is like that's the last like mid-budget i won that was mid-budget uh rom-com that i even remember i enjoyed i enjoyed set it up on netflix yeah that was good i thought that was the problem with long shot is that when that movie shifts tones it's very noticeable and like erratic it's like oh yeah we have to do a seth rogan thing where he comes on his face and when Mm -hmm. and when she like takes like molly or whatever yeah she's on that's, that's and then not, she has to give a great. speech that's like and yeah my uh uggo boyfriend came on his own face <laughs> yeah okay. I, I don't i still <laughs> love him i don't i i know i i don't love that movie but that's just even the last time that i remember like you have to do if you want to do a rom-com it has to be like inside of another genre like palm springs oh, or something like yeah. that where it's like groundhog day but there's also kind of some Pump romance. Is, is awesome yeah. though. That's uh, probably the, the answer. The big sick. Oh, the big sick. The big, that, sick. The big sick is the last Hands down. great mid-budget true down the middle rom-com that I remember. Um crazy, but, I mean, crazy rich also, Asians. Yeah, I definitely good. like Crazy Rich Asians. Yep. Um, I think like a movie too, it's not a romantic comedy, but I feel like it's more like a chilled out version of this, like the same vibes. I guess because it's like New York, but like on the rocks, I feel like is like a chill version I of this. I haven't seen yet. it. Yeah. I need to so see it. I really it. need to check that out. Oh, How do I great. get Apple TV Plus? You just go on the website. <laughs> you sign up. You can join the Ted Lasso Hive with me. Uh, I'm okay, just, I'm, wait. I'm running. I'm taking up three spots for all of us here. I, I actually I I uh, discovered that my new Google TV Chromecast has an Apple TV Plus app on it. So I'm I'm halfway there. I. You just so what you're asking is, is how do I 
Ernest Calderon, uh, like er, pay very, money online, pay money, money just, to like, Apple. grab your wallet yeah. and just like <laughs> fill it out for yeah, you. Yeah, like how do I, a guy who's been on the computer forever, uh, make an account who on has a, a website? job just working online? <laughs> <laughs> how do I give Tim Apple five dollars a month? <sighs> um. Anyway, <laughs> train train wreck. That was that one was pretty good. That was solid. I Bill Hader. I rewatched yeah. Trainwreck pretty recently. I don't love that movie. It's so fucking long. It's, it's so, so long. long. Yeah, I can. It's like two and a half hours. It's yeah. like this. An hour of this movie needs to be. Judd Apatow made a long movie. I. It's just like it's. Ew. I'm not. Bro, I mean, bridesmaids. Good LeBron James. Hey, bridesmaids came out ten years ago. Jesus Christ. You know. God damn. <laughs> Nick Cage looks like a really hot monkey. He yeah, he does look sort of, um, I would say, orangutan like in this movie. Well, it, it works for him because his his acting style is so like primal. Like it's so yeah. you know he. He's I mean that's very, the point you brought up earlier. Yeah, he's it's, very he's physical. And yeah, especially in this movie, like the whole movie's about how like like intellectual thought goes out the window when it comes to love. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is again like that's the only reason that this romance makes any sense because like the whole movie is about how it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, just looking at pictures of him, you're this, like, this is a monkey man. I will say this is the movie <laughs> to beat in like the power rankings of like most sexiest Nick Cage. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. This, this is, is this is what I was gonna bring up. You had categories for our Cage series, right? Some sort of like ranking system that you wanted us to do on her. <laughs> So is 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 don't put me on the spot live on is sex is sexiness sex sexiness can be one of the categories. This is I think it's gonna be tough to beat this. Well, how many movies is he like supposed to even be sexy in? Well, I mean, there's G Force. Um, (laughs) There's adaptation. There's two of them to choose from. So like, I choose the chat. That case. Kira, do you have leaving Las Vegas? You you get alcoholic cage. What's what's your pick? I think it has to be this. I don't know. Like, I can't yeah. think of another movie where he is like, he's supposed to be like an attractive lead in like. A yeah. Romance. Like how many, how many movies with him do the low lighting that they do in that first scene with him mm-hmm. where like it's it, the lighting is just to make him look muscular, you know, mm-hmm. how many movies I really was, give him that? So here is a couple of loose categories that I was thinking. One of them was the most Nick Cage moment. I think it has to be his introduction uh, scene. A hundred percent. That's that. So that one's far, easy. absolutely. Or yeah. or the scene where he takes her to bed. No, it's the introduction, man. The that introduction. Is, yeah, the he's introduction. Stream, he's on eleven because he comes into a movie that feels pretty well defined, and he changes the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you say this is good Cage or bad Cage? I think this is definitely good Cage. He's used really well in this movie. Chaotic right? he's good. Not, His energy. Yeah. Here's, here's a question. Chaotic good. Yeah. It, because this is a good question because Cage is so singular that like good or bad, he's irreplaceable. <laughs> who who else could be this guy in this movie? Who would you recast? Nobody. Oh, man. Yeah, like they're they're kind of perfect for who's, each other. Who's, it's, who's unpredictable in well, like here's the, the late thing. 80s? No, that's the thing is it's the late 80s. If you're going to time travel people, you might even say like a Mel Gibson. Oh, God. No. No. no, Gibson doesn't have the manic because he's he's no, have you seen Lethal Weapon, though? I yes, he's I out have, of his but mind. Like, but Mel like, Gibson like zaniness. Mel Gibson's like chaotic evil. Nicolas Cage is chaotic good. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
they're not what? interchangeable until anyway. we find out about the allegations <laughs> i feel like well, we found out they're not you, great oh really no, to, great so here's an interesting recasting if we're going to teleport him back 10 years i feel like it wouldn't be as good of a movie but i think that you could put like 1998 Jim Carrey in this role oh, and get like nice, like no way, 80% dude. of the way. No there. way. No, no, I think no. that's the closest. I don't think that anybody can replace him, but I think that Jim Carrey no, has no, the ability, the no. dramatic and the stop, zany stop touch. Stop hard right disagree. Jim Carrey. What is about, incredible. what about, talk Johnny, shit about Johnny Depp? No. no, no, not at all. That's less um, than Jim Carrey. Noah Centineo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's Noah go Centineo is just like, yeah. Oh, grab me the big knife. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that the way Cage plays this character is so like he just leans it into it. Yeah, so like it much. wasn't I don't I guess it was written to be a pretty crazy dude, but like but not to the extent where he plays it, because if you put like Richard Gear in this, like he's not going to do he's not going to go for it. Yeah. Like how Cage goes for it. You know, you Best. need nobody else is going to is going to go this hard on on a scale of uh, one to uh, bees being bees being 10. What would you give this Nick Cage performance? I'm at like a like an eight or a nine. Oh, I no, I, I put it down at like. No, no, no. But I'm not talking. I'm talking about how over the top he is. That's why I'd give him like a six as far as over top goes, because Cher still uh, okay. runs this movie. OK, this is still I a Cher movie and Nick Cage is involved. In, and he has his moments, but also Nick Cage, you get more of the sensitive yeah. cage that and is he doesn't kind of pull you out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Six. Six is fair. I go seven because even I feel like if you didn't know if you watched the movie and you didn't know who that guy was like no one did in the 80s. You'd be like, who the fuck is that? He's going nuts right now. You know, <laughs> this guy will never make another movie or this guy will be in over a hundred. Yes. Yeah. There's no in between. Yeah. Like in, in the eighties, some guys like, listen, listen, honey, either this guy, <laughs> we never see him again, or we see him on Tubi in the year 2021 <laughs> in seven different movies. Yeah. He's going to run the board on Tubi. I think his I, chaos, like it just goes up and down in this, like, but then again, that's like how his voice is delivering every line, like just goes like up and down, like with like the chaos and then it'll be like quiet and like, yeah. His accent in this movie is all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> he, he like, so he tries really hard to do an Italian accent in the very first scene. And he just like, it kind of talks like this, which isn't <laughs> Italian at all. And then he immediately never does that accent again. And he just talks more normal for the rest of the movie. <laughs> he was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, nominated for a Globe, not nominated for an Oscar. Um, instead, he of, lost to. Um, let's see if I can get to actor. I think Randy Quaid. Oh wait, no, it was supporting. He <laughs> lost to Robin Williams for Good Morning Vietnam. Oh yeah, that's fair. What if we cast Robin Williams in this role? <laughs> I I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, he's it, crazy. It he, would. He would have to be. Yeah, you'd have to take Robin Williams. He technically like, wouldn't have to be younger. Nick Cage was just young. Yeah. But I think the fact that like Nick Cage was young in this, and they never really say like his age in the movie. I don't think. But I think yeah. the fact that he's so much younger just like contributes to, like the chaos and like how she just like I, is yeah. throwing her life into chaos. Just like. But she also looks 
young, right? Yeah, she yeah. doesn't looks, look as old. Even even with the gray hair, like she looks cool as hell. Yeah, like her like big like sweaters and she's stuff. yeah. Cher Cher has literally always just been like a look and a half. Like mm-hmm. no matter what she's doing, she's just cool as fuck. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think. I don't know because if I if I were to guess Nick Cage's age in this movie, I would say like thirty. Mm-hmm. And if I were to guess her yeah, age, I would late say like twenty. Yeah, and I would say thirty to her yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying earlier. Like they both seem like they're in like their late twenties, early. 30s so if I'm get, if I'm casting an age, I think the funniest eighties actor that you could put in this who's age appropriate is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, dude! How <laughs> like that changes playing the movie. an Italian. <laughs> That bread is life. That completely changes the movie. You could do uh, Tom Cruise before he got his teeth fixed. <laughs> I was actually thinking Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom, I Tom is interesting. He could do it, but but then you'd have to recast Cher because I don't see Tom and Cher. Well, I feel like is Cher Nick is Cage? like seven feet tall. Honestly, Nick Cage, <laughs> she's five nine. She's not that tall. She's in Hollywood that's seven she, feet. In Hollywood, yeah, she is yeah. tall. No, but um, I feel like her in a, for some reason, just in my head, and you guys might disagree with me, but Cher and Nick Cage, whenever I saw them together, like at the opera looking all nice, I was like, this couple makes sense. It does. Mm-hmm. I could just see yeah. this couple existing. Like they make sense in my head. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And that's a great scene just because it's, it's like stripped away of all of the bullshit. Like yeah. they're mm-hmm. just like vibing as real as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously like, the attention is on the the opera that they're watching, but it's just such a perfectly done little scene that you yeah. get a sense of like, oh, this is what these people are like without all of the absurd stuff that we're putting into the plot of this. Yeah, movie. it's I, yeah. Sorry, I think it also like that moment of connection happening during the opera is also like super important and good because they like can't like talk during the opera. So like right. it's all based on like body language and like their face and how they're reacting to the opera and how they're reacting to like sitting next to each other. And I think that's just like incredible. As Absolutely. Is. Yeah. No, that that's definitely it. They get to act. They get to mm-hmm. act and, and yeah. at, they're acting all over the place in this movie. But in that scene, it's like, oh, OK, we're working with some actual performers here, you know, um, not just like being big and 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 loud and yeah you know, as expressive well, as they get in other this scenes. is why i was so blown away by Cher because like i knew that she had acted a good amount but watching this i was like this is the, like she could have just been an actor like that could have been it for her and she would have been one of the best actors i was honestly kind of shocked that there wasn't a musical number in this movie yeah <laughs> i was like oh she's just gonna carry this without breaking into song like hell yes let's go <laughs> Norman Jewison's filmography is just like really interesting to look about, look at because like he gets really on the map with 67 within the heat of the night, the one's best picture. He gets nominated for best director. And then like, he's like, my blank check is that I'm going to make Fiddler on the roof <laughs> and, Jesus Christ, and Jesus. And he follows up with Jesus Christ, superstar. I've never seen him. Um, banger and then Tradition. like rollerball which is a wild fucking movie that i have not seen in years and then like his movie is his filmography is like kind of just like a couple little spots making movies that i've never really heard of before and then comes back on with moonstruck 
and like nominated really, for best director. Yeah, nominated for best director, nominated for best picture. He like came back into the limelight and then kind of faded back out again until uh the hurricane, I think, was also nominated for best picture in so, 99. Hold on a second. I want to go back to the the recasting cage question real quick. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I just searched 80s actors. I could do this all day on Google. <laughs> and the the one guy that comes up the most is Rob Lowe. What do you think, Kira? Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. He Not was he was a plague on my Mike Myers rewatch <laughs> because the entire pandemic, there was no new Mike Myers content. And then out of nowhere, he appeared on Rob Lowe's podcast. And I was like, oh, fuck. Wait, got- Rob Lowe has a podcast? Yeah. That can't be, it can't God be a good podcast. It. It's not. It's I'm not. Just, Rob Lowe, like, I don't, has, does Rob Lowe have any, any, anything interesting to say? No. about anything he's good in the west wing no i know he he's like a great rob lowe is just like the he's like the crowning guy of the modern age it's just like look tv actors can break through on the main on the big screen and stuff like that and then you see rob lowe keep trying and you're like well maybe not and now it's the same thing with uh well you know i mean you know the deal with him right like his his past what's his past what's his past Kira, he like peed on a teenager or something. Oh, he was yeah. he was slated oh, yeah, to be that's... a gigantic movie yeah. star, and then he yeah he was like fucking children. Yeah. Oh no! Well, I didn't know that because like I don't want to even compare. I'm him. Sure, I don't want to compare. Him. I was gonna compare yeah. him to. Uh... God, <laughs> now I feel bad. Now even I can't watch the, the West Wing. Breath. That's okay. It's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm on the season where he's like written off the show. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. So you can keep I can keep. I can keep yeah. going. I, yeah. I didn't know that. I was gonna compare him to John Hamm as far as like the TV no. star who just could break through no. in movies. No, John, every time I see John Hamm in movies, I'm like, is he a good actor? But he is. Now I feel um, bad. Yeah. Uh, Personally, I think that John Hamm was like a comedian that accidentally became an actor and like never yeah. wanted to yeah. be he's an actor. Handsome. He's too handsome. Yeah, no, yeah. He's, he's he I think he wants to be a character actor but he's yeah. in a leading man's he, body. He's one of those dudes who is it's a detriment to his career that he is too down to do mm-hmm. comedy. Mm-hmm. He's too like Oh yeah, I'll be in tag, and also I won't be the cool one. <laughs> yeah, in tag, I'll let Renner take that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that I, is so. Demeaning. I feel kind of similar about Channing Tatum. I'm like, I feel like he is a pure comedian and like musical actor that just happened to be extremely attractive. Yeah, he's just like a meathead like, looking motherfucker. Yeah, like he because also he, I think he is a good dramatic actor. Like, mm-hmm. or at least in something that's like. Uh, he's really good in Foxcatcher in a movie that's yeah, pretty I didn't forgettable. Like, I didn't even like the movie. I thought he was great. Yeah. And then also like something that's funny, but also dramatic, like Logan Lucky. I think mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. just absolutely perfect. in. Uh, he just looks like a dummy. And like Taking now, especially because he's, he's not really attractive anymore either. He kind of has like alcoholism face and he like Channing. <laughs> How dare you? I think How he's doing it right you? though. I think he started a production company and he's like, He's making big moves and stuff, but like, yeah, I think he's very, very talented. Can can I throw out a couple more recasting, please? Here. John Travolta. Oh, 80s, uh, 80s Travolta. Yeah. No. Uh. <laughs> I think it's tough because shh, I think there's only room for one lead in this that sort of has yeah. like Zand out vibes. And I think Cher kind of has that. I mean, we're, we're going to get to the full cage Travolta of it all mm-hmm. with face off. 
but mm-hmm. I feel like there is some like connective tissue here in terms of like how, you know, out there they're willing to get with their intensity. Obviously cage cage takes the cake, you know, he's the more talented and, and kind of uh, adventurous one when it comes to his performances. But I don't know. I feel like Travolta, he could have made it work with Cher. He could have had, he could have vibed with her. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Like some, in, my, in my gut, I just don't want to see Travolta. I, her. I can't imagine it being any better of a movie. I could only imagine it being worse with anybody else. What about honestly. Brad Pitt? Was he too young at this point? In the <laughs> Definitely 80s? too young. Absolutely. When yeah. was Thelma and Louise? Was it was, that like it was in the early 90s. Early 90s? I want to say. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> well, we already mentioned one person who has had uh, well, uh, bodily allegations <laughs> against them. So maybe we shouldn't bring up Sylvester Stallone. You keep naming like people who either are conventionally attractive or were conventionally attractive for the time. And I think that really makes a difference. The fact that Nicolas Cage is not a conventionally attractive person and never has. You're right. That. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Especially the way we see him in this movie. Like he's not presented to be this guy who like totally swoons her just with his handsome mm-hmm. looks yeah. like that's not what this character is yeah all. the bar is basically he has to be more attractive than Danny Aiello <laughs> <laughs> tough to do man Danny Aiello bad beat for Danny Aiello in this movie I still made this is a prequel to do the right thing you gotta he stop got, with that he got dumped uh, and then he's just like you know what I'm just gonna open up a pizza place oh no <laughs> Stop. No. I mean, it, do the right thing no, does stop, take stop, place stop, two stop, years stop. after this. It, it takes place. This. It takes place so much farther away in Brooklyn than okay. you would expect. It's no, very far away. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, I got to get out of town. And by out of town, I mean <laughs> out of this specific neighborhood. Yeah. And famously in Do the Right Thing, he's only owned that pizza place for two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not like he has no history. He has no history with that neighborhood. <laughs> well, there is that one like throwaway line and do the right thing where he's just like, "Yeah, you know, my brother, he uh, he owns a bread shop down the street from me. <laughs> he's married to my old fiance." <laughs> oh boy! Are there any other movies we're going to watch where Nicolas Cage, his character, is missing appendages? I don't know. Does he does he get his tail? his tail chopped off in g-force no well, i don't want to spoil g-force for i don't you. think no. guinea pigs have tails yes so sorry <laughs> they're not fucking rats <laughs> jesus Ernest. Thank, thank you kira yeah, no rodents. so insensitive of me <laughs> he i'm not i'm not joking when i say this because it's gonna sound like a meme and even if you think about it twice it'll still sound like a meme but no his performance in G-Force is his most transformative role ever. <laughs> you won't know dis- until you, you watch yeah, it. Yeah, you'll be like, which one is Nick Cage? And then afterwards, you're like, at- he chose this. What? He chose this movie to go understated. <laughs> like, it's so strange. Man, I can't wait. There, for was, that one. there was one big thing I wanted to bring up about this movie. And it's that restaurant, that Italian mm-hmm. restaurant. I have eaten at restaurants like that in New York. Yeah. And I miss it so fucking much. Mm. Like I want to go back mm-hmm. to big to the big city. The big windy apple. 
What are you doing? What is that bit? What are, what's character you're you doing right now? My sentimental. <laughs> no, you're correct. Like the, no, I I always make a no, point and- to go to like a uh, a place that like isn't like the place you know. If you Google like where to go in New York to get that experience, you don't you don't go to those places. You go to a place that's just like on the street, yeah. and you mm-hmm. go with in. a view of the Golden Gate Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this character that you guys are doing right now. I don't know what this character but, is. But, but with with COVID and the pandemic and everything, it's like, I feel like when I do get a chance to go back to New York, it's going to be like sad to see. Yeah. Like I had a whole plan to left. go to, I had a whole plan to go to New York last summer to see uh, American Utopia on Broadway. And I'm still mm. very sad about that. It was supposed um, to come back this fall. It is supposed to come yeah. back. And guess what? I'm buying fucking tickets. Cause I am still yeah. going to see that on Broadway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I um, yeah, it's it's you can tell that uh, Norman Jewison has spent a lot of time in New York. It's very genuine to New York. He very purposefully used like that restaurant that they eat at is just a restaurant that still exists mm-hmm. in Little Italy mm-hmm. in New York. That you and when can they go walk out to. to the street, like you like, can tell, like that's the real street where they are. At. That's not a fucking set. And also like, the, uh, the head server at that real restaurant is Bobo. Bobo. Yeah. Bobo's still there. <laughs> Bobo. Bobo is still just like, should I bring out the Bobo. dessert cart now? Or that guy is, that guy is wild. They say he's still waiting to bring out the dessert cart to the stage. <laughs> I hope Bobo's still alive. It's really crazy that that Aiello like didn't have a ring in like the dessert or something. <laughs> well, they're talking. They're talking about the champagne. It's like if he could, if he could remember the champagne. Yeah, he's pulling he's out some stops and he didn't get a ring. I, man, that, that scene is so I feel good. Like, I feel like it's like, wait, you gotta give me a ring, and he's just like, give me your pinky ring, and he's just like, okay. It just, it just get feels like this is my good suit. <laughs> like. For how easy like men still have it, I feel like men back then it was just like the bar was like below the ground, mm-hmm. like it was below mm-hmm. sea level. It was like he didn't. I I cannot fathom. But that's but like that's like what's great about Cher's character is that like she doesn't put up with that. Yeah, throughout she's like, the Are you whole shitting movie. me, dude. I'm yeah. Cher. Well, yeah, but that was. Do that's you believe what I was in life after life after love? <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Is that at the end when Cage proposes? She doesn't make him get on his knees. Yeah, it's because yeah. they're at the family breakfast table. <laughs> Everybody's what? all there. I mean, she did it in front of a whole restaurant last time. So, mm. yeah. That ending scene, again, I think is. Yeah, it's like it's it's, it's like as good as an ending gets. Like it's it's like one of the best endings to a movie I've ever seen. It, so jokes aside, what is Danny Aiello's like next 10 years like what is his character doing now? well because well, he's still just living the bachelor life he's just like well my wife and my 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 mom's not dying anymore so now i don't want to get married so is he just like prowling the streets just yeah like, he, like, oh, hope not. he gets on bumble <laughs> you know what bumble was like in the 80s it was like you know the history of the bumble app in the 80s <laughs> it was like it was like newspaper classifieds hell yeah just like looking for a good time. And then there were some people. Call me. And it's just like Danny Aiello. Just like, eh. Imagine. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Literally imagine just going to a bar and just like starting to talk to someone. Right. You don't, that that to me is still the most anxiety inducing concept in the world. Or or what happens with the mom where she like 
goes to eat by herself and then this guy's like hey can i join yeah you? you just you literally just wait until some guy's date throws water in his face and then that's your date for the night <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was i really love that scene between uh rose and um what's the character's name the new york city professor um i don't have it pulled up in front of me um I really love that scene between the two of them because that's like really brings back home that whole point of like what are men after when they chase after women. Harry. And it's just all men are afraid of death. Like that's just that's that's the message at the end of the day. John John Mahoney. Yeah, John mm-hmm. what is John Mahoney's character's name? I can't remember. Perry. Perry. It sounded like you said Harry. Yeah. Harry. Yeah, I'm I'm calling out for Harry Harry to answer a question. <laughs> this is live phone right phone now. Phone a friend. Yeah, in an email. Anyway, uh, do we have anything else to say about Winstrug? I love it. I, I was going to say something else about the ending. So kind of going to your point about like what happens after, like to me, the ending is a little, um, it's a little kind of bittersweet, mm-hmm. you know, because of what I was getting at earlier about how like, you're looking at this photograph and you see like all of this twisted history in the, in the background, you know, when you're kind of thinking about what these people went through um, and they end the movie on this triumphant note of like, all like salute, you know, like celebrating this marriage that's coming. But it's like, if you take a step back and you just think about it, it's like, Oh, well they kind of like, fucked each other over a little bit like everybody kind of fucked each other over you know everybody like cheated on each other in a way and and they're just kind of stuck with that they they just have to like accept it and and live with it and they can't just remove themselves from that reality and there's the picture to like put that in in some sort of permanence for yeah. uh for for legacy's sake and it's it's a happy ending but it's also just like this oh shit like our families are fucked up yeah and it's there's nothing much we can do about it it's also like now it's like danny aiello could like not escape his ex like he can oh never God, escape right. that ever again that's a nightmare like <laughs> He is literally like he is like uncomfortable in the middle of that family photo because like he can't leave and like his mom and like his brother's his only family, I'm assuming. And then his mom is all the way in Italy. So like he's stuck with that family forever with his ex that like dumped him for his brother. Are he's you like, asking? He's like front and center in that photo. Dude. Yeah, he's like what yeah. your eye is drawn to. Are you asking for a Moonstruck two starring Danny Aiello? That's just like a tragedy. Are you just like I mean, he's passed? No, so we don't, he's we the Joker. <laughs> this is his Joker origin everyone. story. Oh my god! So this wasn't actually a prequel, dude. Right? I think it was a no. It was Joker. a Joker prequel. Mm-hmm. Joker prequel. Yeah, Danny I, uh, Aiello grew up to be Joaquin Phoenix. I believe it. <laughs> I believe um, it totally. I think that like it made sense that the director made like musicals because I feel like this whole movie kind of like plays out like a musical, but like mm-hmm. without, I mean, like there is music, but like not like musical numbers, like just like the fact that you kind of have to like suspend your disbelief a little bit yeah, it's very to watch bouncy. it. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's I feel like, on. like living in New York, like I kind of feel like I don't have to as much because it feels like 
it just feels like real New York and they feel like real people that like I could have like met or just like walked past on the street and like listened into their conversation for a second. Um, mm, your life is but, a musical. Yeah. Every day in yeah. New York. Every day when you wake up in New York, it's yeah. It's like, it's like what I said about how like, like just like anger and like, you know, just like happenings are just a part of like life there. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's when I was 16, the first time I went there, I went, like one morning I just went to a bagel shop down the street, like on my own. And there was a dude in there who was like fighting the, the guy behind the counter to get like a free bagel. And this dude, you know, they were yelling <laughs> and this dude, just like everything on the counter. He just swept it off. He was like, fuck you. And he just walked out. Yeah. And and then yeah. the, the guy behind the counter was just like, all right, well, uh, what do you have? Exactly. Like, yeah. like yeah, he, he, was, just, he was like, start spreading yeah. the news. Like, <laughs> I'm leaving yeah. today. And yeah, and then he like, you know, there were a bunch of lobsters that spilled on the ground and he had to, no. But he like, I don't know. It's just like if, if that happened to anyone that I know, that would be all they would talk about for like a month. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like the only thing that happens in your whole life. But there's just like something No, but for this, it's like you like have a laugh with your coworkers and it's like on to the next person in the deli line. And then maybe you'll like bring it up at dinner later with like yeah, yeah. your Italian mom. <laughs> Yeah, she'll be like, ah, oh, when are you going to get a wife? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that reminds me of something else I was going to bring up. So earlier we talked about how like the ensemble piece of this movie and how it like focuses all these scenes on these other characters. And there's like stretches of the movie where we don't see Cher and Nicolas Cage. And like, to me, those scenes like were part of the what added to like the movie dragging for me a little bit. But what did you guys think of those scenes? Because I feel like they add to the overall point of the movie. Like they they bolster like the themes of the movie, right? I mean, yeah, I, I really love that. All of those scenes, mostly because like I loved all of the performances from like people who played like Rose and Cosmo, like with Olympia Dukakis and Vincent uh, Gardini- Gardenia. Am I saying that right? Gard- I feel like I've said it three different ways this oh, like, I mean, podcast. A gardenia um, is a plant. Yeah. Um, no, like I, I like part of the seeing, texture. Right? Yeah, exactly. It just yeah. kind of adds into this overall story and kind of brings in some greater themes that wouldn't exist if we were just doing like just a straight down the middle rom-com just following these two people. Yeah, no, I, I love those scenes. I just think like the movie, like the feel of the movie just loses a little momentum. Yep like during those I scenes. could I could really feel them personally I would watch a movie that's just Uncle Raymond and Aunt Rita just like yeah. having sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no just like watch them they're just so just a charming old that, Italian couple yeah. I just I love them so that much. that scene that you uh shouted out earlier where he uh like it's like cosmos in and on his her. moon over here. That like <laughs> that so was good. so touching to me. I loved it. I was I, all I could think about was like I want to be that couple when I'm old. Yeah, just put a fucking smile on my face. I, Those guys are fucking gold. I want to be the couple that's like old and leathery and saggy and just still getting still, it on <laughs> and still can get it on. Yeah. When the moon starts shining, you God, act that, like a wolf. That big ass moon. <laughs> that big big moon. Well, Kira, yeah. was there anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, not really. I mean, I love just all 
the different relationships in it and like how it kind of like goes off to the other relationships because it literally just feels like walking through like conversations I feel like and like getting little glimpses of like these people that you like pass by on a daily basis or whatever and I think that's why it kind of worked for me but yeah I love this movie so much it so, has like some early Altman vibes where like yeah. it doesn't go all the way in, but it's just like almost like you feel like it could just like the camera, if it wanted to, it could just like drift out away from Cher and into just following this other couple's life for like the next 20 minutes and then shift over to somebody else. Like, and the fact that it all so overlaps well at the out. end too. Yes, That's exactly. very Altman. Mm-hmm. So you, you've seen this movie plenty of times before, right, Kira? Yeah. Yeah, a few times. So how do you feel like it has evolved over time? Like, when did you first see it? Um, I first saw it a few years ago, like when I was like living in Brooklyn. It was one of those movies where I would just like see images from it. And then one day I was just like, I might as well watch this. And I watched it and I was just like obsessed with it. So I would like rewatch it. It's just a very like comforting movie to me. Like it's a movie similar to where like Francis Ha like lives in my mind where it's like I will put it on if I need to feel like a cozy blanket is on me. So um, even though it's like so like loud and like aggressive, it's still just like the most comforting movie in the world. Um, And I think it's just kind of stayed in that part of my brain for me is that it's just like feel good, cozy, like, yeah. That's a great way to describe it. I, I think it's it, it, the loudness doesn't become like too aggressive or anything mm-hmm. like that, it's especially, assaulting. yeah, especially with Cage, like how fucking nuts he gets in this movie. Like you're never kind of like taken aback by it. And, you know, it's a good cage. Mm-hmm. It's a good cage. It's a good cage. Um, yeah. I, I love seeing it for the first time. I think that um, it's it's a great way to start off the series. Yep. Um, oh shit we didn't actually do it but this was actually this whole episode was actually secretly uh right um i didn't actually watch this movie on criterion but it is on criterion so yeah i might actually pick up that crate now after seeing this movie well thank you so much for coming on kira thanks for having me loved uh having you on for this uh this journey that we're embarking on and starting it off with you. So we alluded to it earlier, but tell the listeners what Zillennial Canon is. Cause I, I feel like um, people should know about this if they haven't. Like, I feel this, like, yeah. I feel like in terms of like picking a lane, it's far better than our podcast. It's, it's actually like, it, it makes me angry. Like I'm so jealous of <laughs> you and Adam friend of the pod who, it's going to be on this series later down the road. Um, but you guys, you guys just pick such a, a, a perfect, it's such a, it's just this perfect sweet spot of like our generation and, and exploring the movies that are attached to it. So just, just give the listeners a, a, a little bit of a pitch of, of what you're doing over at your, at your pod. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, I'm glad that some people are taking us seriously because we definitely don't take ourselves seriously. (laughs) But that's part of the fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Me and my buddy Adam, who is buddies with this pod, um, we basically one day were like, why don't we just start a podcast based on like 
the weird fucked up movies that we liked when we were like eight years old, like seven, eight years old. And specifically for people who don't know if they're Gen Z or millennial. And I feel like we just randomly found all these movies that like you like mention the title of it. And then like people our age are just like, oh, okay. Um, So I feel like we're also very specific with the ones that we choose for like no reason. And we always pick them by just being like, oh, what do you want to watch this week? And it's always just like very specific and weird. But yeah, so we just talk about those movies. Um, We did Decomber where all y'all were on. So check that out at Zillennial Canon. Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. Polar Express. I yeah, and I was Lizzie McGuire movie. Unfortunately, I wasn't on for uh Decomber. Yeah, I you were the special for, Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. If you want, if listeners of We Bought a Mic want to hear me hear Grumpy Hunter, then they can <laughs> listen to Polar Express. Again, I am sorry if I came across if I ruined uh your or Adam's nostalgia for Polar Express. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay, good. And I I'm sorry for all the things you had to censor that I said on your podcast. Oh, I didn't censor anything. I didn't edit anything. Don't worry. There was something. (laughs) I remember hearing some censorship about Paul Thomas Anderson. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 We won't censor it on this podcast. That's if you the want to talk about it. I've said it on this that, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Too much, I would say. Mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph listens to this podcast and she told me she d- does not appreciate me. <laughs> but like, out it's her crazy. True she doesn't laundry. like it, but she's still sending us $50,000 a month. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. Oh, well. Please listen to Selenio Cannon if you haven't. I, I'm, I'm looking at you, uh, you guys' uh, uh, last couple episodes and there's there's some gems in here like the chronicles of narnia episode. Lion, Witch, and the wardrobe was incredible i oh. uh i i i don't love that so, movie i have i remember seeing that movie on a uh fifth grade field trip vividly um but such a good it's, it's like in terms of like in terms of like what you guys like covered in that episode and like the specificity with what you touched on like that moment in young adult adaptations like that's like that's that moment's gone like mm-hmm. in 2021 like that's a relic and it's such a it encapsulation it was, uh, of it was. was all of our first epic like it was our first yeah. like epic yeah. <laughs> i uh how how far are you into the fast heads now are you a fast head since after doing tokyo drift on the millennial canon i am i love fast and furious i just take way too long to watch movies like I have them all on Blu-ray ready to go because I'm having a great time. Um, and like, I expect to have even more fun as it goes on, but I just, I am so bad at just like watching you, everything at once. You need to be like Drew and watch things on 1.25 speed. That's <laughs> <laughs> how Drew watched back. feature best picture winner Mank. I watched <laughs> one I watched one movie like that. And guess on what? Like two point five speed. The rest and- of the shit that I didn't want to watch, I just didn't watch. So would you rather that? <laughs> Imagine I, like I, whatever you want. <laughs> I wanna I wanna do a podcast with you where we talk about movie, but it's just you reading the Wikipedia summary. Mm. Yeah, I'd say it's just like and then like when those kids like they go into the wardrobe and they end up in Narnia. That's crazy. <laughs> I honest, I genuinely don't think you guys would notice. 
if, if I like sure. hadn't seen whatever movie we were talking know. about. I, I usually don't listen to you guys. I just keep talking. Exactly. Like so. you're, just, you're listening for the purpose of waiting to yeah. like, but like, it's about to be my turn. Yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say about Zillennial Canon is that I'm an older brother. Um, my younger siblings are 21 and 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm at that age where like when we were all young, I was having, um, I was watching a lot of the same stuff that like my younger siblings were watching. So it's like, I'm my, my siblings are basically Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, everything that you guys, not everything, but like maybe like 80% of the stuff that you guys talk about on, on your podcast, I have like such more of a connection to because I was watching it with my siblings and I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been watching it if I didn't have younger siblings. Um, so it's like this, this added level of uh, nostalgia that comes with it. So check it out. Thank you so much for coming on Kira. Thank you. Um, guys. We'll hopefully have you on again soon. That'd be fun. Um, I'm, glad I like bring next- a, I'm glad I could bring this movie to you guys. And I hope, to God that this is not the best movie that you guys end up watching. <laughs> it was a great one Look, to start. I off. love this movie. I really like this movie. Just filled me. It made me full of joy and it made me really happy I, to watch this movie. I loved it. So thank you so much for choosing it. Is there anything else that you want to plug Twitter, letterbox, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at garlic emoji. And also I directed a music video for Deirdre Crean called New Year's Day. That's super fun. And I have, this is coming out tomorrow, right? Friday? Yes. Yeah. Cool. I have an essay dropping today on Wigwag Mag about Jean Dielman. So Ooh. yeah, I never have things to plug in here. <laughs> there you go. So thanks guys. There you go. All right, boys. Uh, let's wrap it up. Thank you for starting this journey is that it <laughs> yeah I, why well, are you looking right I'm, at me I'm while you're saying this i'm, I'm good to, I'm yeah, good to you shut it down. can follow us uh, <laughs> I, I thought you like on me to plug everything twitter at we bought a mic instagram at we bought a mic email us at we bought a mic at gmail.com please rate review subscribe donate thank you to all the donors for donating you guys are beautiful lovely lovely donors uh, you can donate at anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. Next week is Raising Arizona, which was technically mm. released six months before Moonstruck. It's fine. It's been 1987. It's yeah. Just, we already made a schedule. It's, it's too late <laughs> now. So we'll see you for that. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.